Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to another episode of Mixed Feelings. I am your host, Kira Bria, and today I wanted to talk about side chick culture slash this whole Kylie Jenner, Travis Scott, and Young Sweet Row situation. So this week it came out that Travis Scott had been quote-unquote cheating on Kylie Jenner with this girl who looks like her literal carbon copy. Her name is Young Sweet Row on Instagram. Um, it was kind of funny because when I first looked her up on Instagram, she was private and I had requested to follow her. I saw on TikTok that she was allowing or like accepting requests and she would let you see her page for like an hour and then she would boot you out. But then when I looked at the end of the day, she became public and i remember before she went public she was at like 222k and since she had gone public at least this is from last night when i was checking she was all the way up to like 365k so she's definitely getting her clout off of this um which is fine i literally don't care but anyways i know that will make it some people question her reasons and whatnot so this woman young sweet row came out and saying, and apparently it's not her first time coming out saying that she is Travis Scott's like real girlfriend or like long-term girlfriend. She's the original Kylie Jenner, according to her, even her Instagram post saying like, tell her to be me for Halloween since he wants you to love him so bad or she wants you to love her so bad. It's very, it's the whole thing is very petty and a little bit tacky, especially in the way that I think um, the way Travis Scott addressed it, basically being like, I don't know this person. They weren't invited to set yada yada. Regardless of if this is true or not, it was just very like flippant and dismissive. People have pointed out that he reacted to this quicker than he reacted to Astral World, and his Astral World apology also felt flippant and dismissive. Anyways, but um, so the the rumor is the ru- around the rumor mill they are saying that Travis Scott was with Young Sweet Row originally and Kylie was the one that stole him from her. So apparently that makes Kylie the side chick in quotation marks. Um, I find it very interesting, the urge to call any woman a side chick. Like people are obsessed with labeling women as side chicks. People are obsessed with um rating women and putting women in their first place second place and always just like talking about different ways that we can pit women against each other and devalue them and i think it's not only ridiculous to be like oh yeah she's the she's just the side chick kylie jenner was the side chick all along this other girl was the original girlfriend like we're talking about like sheep and property it's very strange to me the way people talk about relationships and i think when things like this happen also like when you know adam levine and summer stroh happens the way people respond says a lot about the way people think about women and the way people think about things um anyways so to label kylie as the side chick first of all is crazy considering she's the one that has children and the the public image but not even to not even to say oh one of them is the side chick one of them isn't i don't even think that kylie jenner and travis scott are necessarily in a monogamous relationship because i recall this was a while ago, like, I don't even remember how long ago, but I remember somebody on TikTok, 
I remember on TikTok a bunch of people were calling Kylie a glorified baby mama because an interview had come out. I don't remember what magazine it was. It was like Vogue or Elle or something. And Kylie and Travis were talking about their co-parenting and how they're they're basically like their co-parents and how they make it work and all these different things. And it, it kind of was making it sound like they were in an open relationship. They definitely weren't married, right? And I remember everybody on TikTok saying she was just a glorified baby mama because they're not married and they're not together. And now all of a sudden people are obsessed with saying, oh, she's she's the side chick and she's been cheated on. Well, which one is it? We can't we can't just use women as punching bags for all these words that are degrading that we just want to say to someone. And I think that's what, whenever like situations like this happen, you see society uses these public women as like placeholders or punching bags to like get out all these things that are like really harmful narratives and things that people love to classify women as like, baby mama culture, side chick culture, like the urge to label women as that in a negative way is so strong that there's got to be ul ulterior motives than just like for funsies or for categorization. Do you know what I'm saying? People get a kick out of being, oh, being like, oh, Kylie Jenner's a glorified baby mama. Kylie Jenner's the side chick or this other girl is the side chick. Anyways, so... But even regarding Young Sweet Row, though, a lot of people now are saying she's been exposed. Like, apparently she used to do this with Drake. I don't really know, honestly, because once again, I personally don't believe that Travis and Kylie are in a monogamous relationship, right? However, I also think that from what I've been seeing people talk about, people aren't talking about the possibility of Kylie cheating as well, or not even cheating, right? Like, just like having interactions with people who aren't Travis Scott and I think that people forget that women are much better at hiding things much better at moving in the dark much better at keeping secrets the men that are attached to the Kardashians are particularly messy um they're very bad at cheating they're very bad <laughs> at hiding things so I think just because you're only seeing evidence with the men in that family doesn't mean the men are the only ones straying away from the relationship and it very well could be like something they talked about and it, they could just not be in a monogamous relationship and just because i saw one person comment on my tiktok like oh but if they are in an open relationship they should have disclosed that because now this looks messy i don't really think that they owe it to anybody to explain if they're in an open relationship like it could even be a situation where they don't want to tell their family like whatever that's not really they don't really owe people that in my opinion but i also wouldn't assume just because they're trying to keep a guy the guise of a monogamous relationship means that that's true um now young sweet row i feel like she definitely i think it's different when they really really look the same i mean i guess the last situation that reminds me of this was Addison Ray's father and the the woman that he was caught with who looked exactly like Addison Ray. That was gross. That was gross, right? But with Adam Levine, I don't think some Sumner, Summer, Sumner. I don't think she looked that much like his wife now. Um, but I think when they look the same and this young sweet row girl is like going on a rampage on instagram 
kind of talking directly like about Kylie and to Kylie and saying, uh, you know, I'm done with this internet shit. Like, you know, I know that's how Miss Jenner eats. It's just, it's petty and it, but it's not like, it's not the kind of petty that looks good. Do you know what I'm saying? It's the kind of petty that makes you look jealous. (laughs) And it's the kind of petty that (laughs) makes it look like, why are you calling out Kylie Jenner in your Instagram captions, girl? Like, it's just, if you're just gonna come out with like, yo, I was hooking up with your man, that's one thing. But once you start to kind of like throw shade at the other woman, that makes you look less credible it makes you look petty. It makes you look jealous. It makes you look small. And I remember on her, on her like Instagram story explanation of the situation, she was like, I don't like this conversation. It's taken me. I feel really, I feel really gross. I feel really taken out of character. And I was like, taken out of character. Like, this is you, baby. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. And I'm not, not to throw shade to this this girl and not to like obviously if Travis did stray away that's his own doing and it really has nothing to do with either of these women or the value of these women I just thought the way in particular young sweet row was like at Kylie that to me especially when like I don't think Kylie cares about this if I'm being really honest, because again, in my head, she has her own situationships happening. I I don't think she's bothered by this girl who like looks like her, but seems to be kind of grasping at her heels a little bit and saying, oh, I know that's how Miss Jenner eats and tell her to be me for Halloween. And I really don't think she's sweating her like that. You know what I'm saying? Um, regardless of if they were really together or not, or if this woman is lying. I just think the funniest thing about this situation is people's reactions, as always, the urge to call women a side chick, the urge to classify women, the urge to say, oh, they're being cheated on, Kylie gets cheated on, who's to say she's not also doing the exact same thing? It's just always so much misogyny in these conversations and I just I think it's funny but another thing I wanted to talk about was of course House of Dragon which I just finished last night the series finale or season finale was last night episode 10 and this series I'm really sad that it's over it really did consume my life while it was beginning but I decided to start reading the book that goes with it which is Fire and Blood And so I thought I would just tell you the differences in what happens in the book versus what happens in the show. Because they were really interesting to me. The differences are kind of impactful. So basically the book Fire and Blood is written kind of like it's gossip, right? A lot of it is written sort of as hearsay. All of the information is coming from like septons and maesters and some of like the the songwriters and fools and some of like oh this person said this but this person thinks this is what happened actually and so what i found very interesting is that the show will either combine some of their favorite like hearsay tales that are in the book or they'll just pick one 
or they will dramatize what was written into something completely different, if that makes sense. So, and what was funny is like, they really don't give you that much dialogue in the book. The book is very like much of a, a bird's eye view and very much written sort of like a history book. But again, it's like hearsay, a lot of it. And it's very gossipy. That's why it's, it's very good. And it moves very quickly. Like the, cause the book starts at like Aegon the Conqueror landing. And I, it made me realize so many things. I didn't realize that King's Landing was called King's Landing until I read the book and I was like, oh, he literally landed there. And that's why it's called King's Landing, A plus B equals C. I should have figured that out earlier, but whatever. Um, if you didn't know, now you know. You probably already knew that because it makes a lot of sense. So, you know, he comes with his two sisters, Reyna and Visenya. I think it's Reyna, not Rhaenys. Anyways. Um, anyway, so it, it it's a lot of years between the beginning of the book and where the HBO show House of the Dragon begins. So I had to read like 360 pages before I even get introduced to Rhaenyra. Like... I don't think Viserys was born until somewhere in the 300s. A lot of it is about Jaehaerys, who is, I guess, Viserys's uncle. Does that uh, grand grandfather? I it, the family tree is tripping me up right now. His father, Viserys's father, is Balon, who was Jaehaerys's second son. That's correct, and Aemon. I believe his name is Aemon, was his first son, but he already died. And then, so they were like, okay, it's going to be Balon. Then Balon dies. So then you have Renice, who is, if I ever pause, please understand, I'm just trying to literally imagine the family tree in my head. Okay. <laughs> and I'm not a visual person, so it takes a second for my brain to sketch it. Renice, now here's the interesting thing. This is the first difference that I think makes a big difference. Renice is actually a Baratheon. So she should have black hair. If I'm not mistaken, she is the daughter of Jocelyn. Is that correct? I think that's correct. I think she's the daughter of Jocelyn and Aemond or Aemon. Anyway, so she's supposed to have black hair because all Baratheons have black hair. And the reason that's important is because for her to be blonde like a Targaryen, even though obviously she does have Targaryen blood in her, for her to be blonde throws a wrench in the whole, um, like figuring out that Joffrey isn't a Baratheon because he's blonde plot. You know, like when Ned Stark is reading the book and he's going, oh, Baratheon, black of hair, Baratheon, black of hair. For Renice to not ha be black of hair kind of, ruins that plot in a way because that's how Ned Stark found out that Joffrey was a freaking product of incest if that makes sense that's the first difference I noticed so basically the whole thing is they they have this council Jaehaerys ha holds this council that we see at the beginning of the show that basically decides who is going to be the successor of him should it be his first son's first heir even though she's a woman or should it be his second son's first heir because he's a man now by virtue of like the first son it should be Renice, but in the virtue of it needs to be a king not a queen it would be viserys now this is what's like really important in the book that i don't think the show like really 
especially if you don't haven't read the book. I think the show doesn't hammer it home in the way that the book does, which is this council was like all of the lords and important people in the realm come to vote on this. And like 70% of them, if not even more than that, were like, no, fuck Renice. It needs to be a man, obviously. And almost everybody voted for Viserys. So then for Viserys to forget that that happened and create a situation that make puts his daughter in that situation of danger, basically. Like he's ignoring what the realm wants when he keeps Rhaenyra as heir. But, you know, obviously like he sees a lot of Emma and in Rhaenyra and he feels guilty for killing Emma, trying to get a male heir. So I understand why he tried to stick with that, but he kind of fucked her over because the realm wasn't going to want that in the it was never basically it was never going to work you you were never you were trying to make fetch happen it was never going to happen and the reason that you were king is the same reason why it was never going to happen it's also not like he lived that long do you know what i'm saying like you can't act like oh the times have changed you died at like 50 something sir jaharis died at like 100 okay whereas viserys got really out of shape and really sick in his 50s so it's not like it's been a lot of time there's still people alive who voted so like it's just it's very he just set her up for failure he kind of set his family up for failure which is why like that last that scene where he's at the dinner table with them and he's looking around you know it yes it can be interpreted as him looking at his family and being like oh look at all of my kin finally getting along but i think it's more of like a oh shit what have I done now that my family hates each other and I'm about to leave and my family, my family's worst enemies are each other. And like, literally, what have I done? I've set everybody up for failure. That's what I think it might have been more of. Okay, another important thing that this just reminded me of. So Alicent Hightower was actually taking care of Jaharis at the end of Jaharis's life. That's the old king. That's the first king we see on TV. Um, he's He's got this big beard, he's in the chair at the council when he appoints Viserys to be his heir. Now, Alicent, this is what I'm saying, the movie, or the movie, it's so cinematic, that's why I mistake it for a movie, just kidding. The show, like I said, it kind of picks and chooses where it puts certain points. So in the show, you see Viserys dying and you see older Alicent interpreting his last words as being about her son right and you see that i mean if you're paying attention i don't know that everybody would have gotten this but i think the implication was that whatever he was saying he thought that he was saying it to rhaenyra because he was earlier having a conversation with rhaenyra when rhaenyra came in and i think he mistaked her for allison at first but then when Allison came in, he thought she was Rhaenyra. He has one eye and he's like super delirious. He didn't take milk of the poppy that day, right? And he's dying and he's delusional. So he's saying to Allison what he wants to say to Rhaenyra. And he's talking about the Song of Ice and Fire and we need somebody to reunite the realm. And Allison thinks that that's her son. In the book, Allison is taking care of Jaharis 
And in the book, it mentions that a lot of times Jaehaerys thought that Alicent was one of his daughters. Do you see what I'm saying? So they kind of took what happened with Alicent and Jaehaerys in the book and put it for Viserys and Alicent at the end. But I, I think it worked, though. Like, I think the implication was clear. The other thing is, though, in the book, Alicent and Rhaenyra not only aren't, like, friends, but they're also not even the same age. Like, Alicent is very much more of a mom to her. Like, Rhaenyra was happy to call her stepmom. That's what it says. I think they're maybe, like, eight or ten years apart or something. But, and something funny that it says is that, like, Alicent maintained her, like, slender figure after all her children, whereas Rhaenyra started to grow stump and stout, and she resented Alicent for having such a nice figure. Whereas in the book, first of all, you don't see, like, I mean, sorry, in the show, you don't see, like, body resentment, and they are the same age. Like, they seem like best friends to potentially, like, are they lovers? Like, and I remember watching an interview with the younger versions of Alicent and Rhaenyra, and they were saying that when they were playing it, if it seems like they're a little bit homoerotic, and if it seems like they're a little bit in love with each other, it's because they made that choice to act that way. And they felt like that was appropriate for the characters to be girls who were not just best friends, but like kind of in love. And I think that they did a really good job with that because that added a whole new dimension to when Alicent finds out that Rhaenyra's slept with two people without telling her. She feels betrayed, not just because she lied and she's her best friend, but also because they're a little bit in love. And people were also saying that they'd been performing like sort of fragments of marriage rituals under all the different gods in many different parts of the show, which I think is very funny. So the show definitely has more love between Alicent and Rhaenyra than ever was in the book. Like in the book, they were never that close. Like Rhaenyra didn't mind that she was her stepmom for a little bit until she did. But the other thing that I found was like a really big difference from the book is pretty much everything to do with Sir Christian Cole. Almost none of it happens like that. So Sir Christian Cole, yes, he does sort of have like a, pot a little bit of tension with Rhaenyra, right? But all of the intimacy stuff with them, there's two different accounts and they're both wildly different. One of them is from Mushroom, who's like their their singer slash like fool kind of person. And the other one is from, I think it's a Septon, I forget which one. But both of them are, are strange and, and very different. And then in, in the show, they just kind of like combine them both to a point that was like a little bit excessive and makes Rhaenyra look excessively guilty, for sure. Because I remember the two different stories were that, you know... Um, okay, so definitely Rhaenyra was seen out and about a little bit with Damon, right? And so one of the stories was like, he, she was practicing with him, but actually to do it with Sir Christian Cole. But then when she came back, he refused. That's story one. The other story is that, you know, she did mess around with Damon, right? But neither of the stories were that she actually did end up sleeping with Christian Cole. If I recall correctly, it was like she tried and he was like, no. 
So I don't think in either of the stories, she actually hooked up with Christian Cole. However, in one person's story, she did like the whole moment where he's like, let's run away together. Let's get married. One of the accounts did say that that happened. The other one did not. Um, but then in regards to like him, him, Kristen Cole in the show, like brutally kills two people, like very unnecessarily, right? Um, first one is Joffrey, who is, uh, Lenor Valerian's like boyfriend in the show. He just like brutally is like, you're gay. Bye. Literally die. Um, but in the book, he just dies in a, he just dies in attorney. Like, <laughs> it's nothing that hate crimey, which I found, but uh, I can't say I didn't find that moment to be like crazy riveting, but it was all also like almost unnecessarily savage. Like it was like, whoa, Kristen Cole is like very temper. I don't understand how he still has a head. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I guess in the show, they kind of made it seem more like there was this transition, this big transition of loyalty. And like there was, but it wasn't so dramatic. In the book, it's like you don't really hear about all the in-between where Allison comes to him before he's going to kill himself. And it that's not, he wasn't that guilty because he didn't just like randomly hate crime someone either. And he didn't lose his virtue in the book. He didn't. He didn't sleep with Rhaenyra at all. She tried and he was like, no, you're, you're little or I'm supposed to protect you. He was like very off it, which is why in the show it kind of looked like he was off it, but then he ended up doing it anyway. And then he felt really badly about it. And then it looks like Allison became like his savior, so to speak. Um, another thing about Allison and her schemes, the whole situation with um, Clubfoot, Laris Clubfoot, it's a rumor that he might have been the one that killed the um, his brother and his dad at Her Hall, But it's also, like, nobody actually knows. In the book, it was like, it could have been him. It could have been the king who wanted any evidence of Rhaenyra's potential bastards to be gone. And it, it more likely was Damon being jealous. That's what it said in the book. So... The whole like none of the none of the Laris Allison stuff really happens in the book, but I think the TV show did a really good job with that. And I don't mind I don't mind them adding stuff. You know, I don't mind like the foot thing, the foot fetish, no matter how disgusting it was to see, and the fact that I had to run it back to realize that she like knew he was doing that and she wasn't looking on purpose. Um, that was like an added layer of grossness that I think served really well for the story and like Laris being like obviously secretly like in love with her but also misusing her and abusing her and it's 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 gross but I do think it serves the plot and I think it definitely reinforces Allison's character and like the tragicness of it and how pitiful she is in the sense of she's like she's queen and she's like selling feet pics for information uh it's really sad and she's only ever been in service to the men in her life whether it's her father her husband her son um also okay also 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 in the book there's a younger green sibling called dayron we don't see him we don't see him at all in the show am i wrong that's why well okay i always thought that aemond 
feels like a middle child. And he's, I can't lie to you, I think he might be my favorite character, especially to watch on screen. Yeah, he's, when I'm thinking about it, he's my favorite character to watch on screen. It used to be, like, Damon obviously is a really, a really fun, interesting character, but I think that whenever I see Eamon on the screen, I'm really excited because he's such a presence. He reminds me of literally Severus Snape because whenever he's on screen, you're like, first of all, the presence is just like oozing, captivating. Like he's taking over. He's, he's killing everyone in the, in, in presence. Like your eye goes right to him. And it's not just cause he has an eye patch. You know what I'm saying? It's like, he's just like oozing like this, this certain kind of like swagger. I kind of hate that word, but you know what I'm saying, right? And so I always felt he was middle childish because he was like so bold and like low key attention seeking, but also like very mature in a weird way. Like when he was like, you know, I lost an eye, but I gained a dragon, like going out and taking Vagar in the middle of the night. That's that's some bold, like low key middle child shit. Do you know what I'm saying? But I mean, I guess actually in the book, he is a middle child in the show. He's not. He's the youngest because there's no Dayron, to my knowledge, unless, is he just too young that I don't really see him in the TV show? Like, maybe he's just, like, in the nursery where everybody else is, like, fighting? I don't know. Somebody comment down below. Did we see a Dayron? I don't think so, because the order is actually um, Aegon, Helena, Vaymond, and then Dayron. I don't remember, I don't recall seeing a Dayron. Anyways, um, but I found that to be interesting. The whole eye stuff happens, but the the two girls are not there in the book. It's just boys on boys. Um, they're also like five. Like they're like, a, the one who stabbed him in the eye was five. And I'm like, how are we? And, and Eamon was 10. So I'm like, you can't fight off a five-year-old buddy. I mean, I guess he was alone. That's true. He was alone, but he's fighting off like literal toddlers. Like a toddler stabbed him in the eye, BFFR. The stuff that happens in the book it's like when he went to go get the dragon, I think the youngest son of Rhaenyra, Joffrey, was like, you leave her alone. What? You're three years old. You understand what's happening here? <laughs> Everybody in the book is honestly so young. And I remember when I started reading Game of Thrones, like the first book, I haven't finished it yet. I stopped reading it to read this. But like, Daenerys starts off being like, I don't know, 12 or something. Like all the Starks are like three years younger than they are in the show. And it's just like, these these kids are babies. How do they have knives? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think that's most of the differences that I noticed, at least that I can remember right now, between the book and the show. If you have any that I forgot, please put them down below. I would love to read that. And yeah, don't forget to like and subscribe, give this a good rating, and I will talk to you next time. Bye.